Hi, Old Dominion University Monarch sports fans. This is Michelle Mulick, and you're listening to the Monarchs Podcast for fans by fans. Monarch Nation, we are back after a victory in Statesboro. Old Dominion wins 20-17, to 17, and Aaron finally, finally hits his prediction. How you doing? How you feeling today, Aaron? Man, it's only weird if it doesn't work. This morning, I'm feeling awesome for a couple of reasons. One, Ethan Sanchez comes through in a big way like he has often this season. Doesn't hit a 50-yarder, although we were on the 37, and I thought I was going to get it exactly. But brilliant play call by the offense. Ethan delivers. Uh, the other reason is I worked out this morning. I got that pre-workout in, and it, it's like still in full effect. So if I'm going crazy, just call me down, guys. Between that and your uh, cold room there, you're uh, you're looking pretty wired on the camera. <laughs> All right, Gary, uh, how are you doing today? Man, I am feeling awesome. I am happy to be on here with an incorrect prediction from last week. I didn't think... We really had a shot in that game uh, with the way Georgia Southern throws the football, but happy to be wrong, happy to be sitting here with a meaningful final game of the season ahead of us. It's just a, a good feeling. I mean, the lowest of lows last week, right? Like everything went wrong, all the bad news streaming in, and then a complete 180 this week. So I am happy for that. And we get meaningful football in the last week of the season. We haven't had it since uh, two years ago. And in our FBS history, we haven't had it a lot. So this is a a great time to be a Monarch fan. I'm so happy these guys played so gutsy last night. That was a gritty, gritty win. I think you're seeing the culture come through there for them to bounce back after just getting their head caved in last week to rally, to take some counter punches and to lose another double-digit lead, but come right down the field and win it. It's a, a gutty effort, and I think it, it says a lot about our coaching staff and where these guys are mentally. Really happy to see it. So after the game, uh, Eric Bohannon puts together a great notes and review of the game, and in it he said, Old Dominion now leads the country in one possession games with nine. Nine. We're five and four in those one possession games, but nine games. I mean, what a season. Ricky Ronnie is owed some – he needs some cash from the local cardiologist because he's obviously putting them into good positions for their jobs. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be sending uh, any EKG bills to the uh, football offices here in the offseason. All right, so I don't know where you guys want to start with this, but for me personally, the defense was amazing last night. Jason Henderson's obviously – uh, stud. We've known that. We've talked about it time and time again. He got, what, it was 11 tackles. How many tackles for loss? He had a shared sack with uh, Daniels last night, and now he's a single-season tackle for loss leader in Old Dominion history, passing Keon White and uh, Ronnie Cameron, who had 19. He has 19 and a half. Another record, Jason Brakes, fantastic player, and was leading a great effort last night. 
Yeah, he had one and a half last night. They really were, I'm going to use the word that Gary used. It was a gutty performance. So you saw Jason go out with an injury, ran limping as fast as he could straight to the tent. I mean, all business, no thinking about what's going on, but knowing what he had to do to try to get back on the field. We also saw a targeting call earlier in the game uh, where we lost Terry Jones. That was really difficult on our defense. Those guys stepped up. A lot of guys stepped up. We'll get into that. But what a gutty performance by the defense. Defense really set the tone in this game. They held Georgia Southern scoreless on their first five possessions, uh, which is huge just to keep us in the game, especially on the road. Uh, kind of get your bearings a little bit, get familiar with the setting, uh, and to have your defense carry you like that was was huge. Uh, Jason also forced a, a fumble, which I think Lamarian James should get like half credit for forcing that fumble because he came in initially on the tackle. Jason was able to punch it out, and Lamarian James picked it up. Uh, just a, a, I think that's the best performance from our secondary this season. Um, I think there were a lot of guys flying out there. You know, t- Terry Jones gets. Gets ejected for targeting. He's going to miss the first half of the Georgia State game. But Ashton Whitner uh, stepped into his shoes at the safety position. We saw a couple other guys uh, rotate in there. And I put it out on, on Twitter last night, Marcus Knight. All that guy does is make plays when he comes in. He, he blocks a blocks a kick, just about has a pick six. It would have sealed the game. Just makes a lot of good plays. So good to see guys step up when you lose someone who's as important to your defense as Terry Jones and also when Jason Henderson goes to the sideline. All right. So you mentioned the, the big plays. Lamarion got called for PI, but he made one of the best pass breakups I've seen all season this year. I didn't see the PI because they did not show a replay of it. And on the original play, I didn't see any PI. But he was fantastic last night. You said it with the help forcing that fumble with Jason. He was making plays all night. And I, I thought that our. Defense overall looked much better with Sean Asbury back in the lineup. We've talked about him all season and the role he's played, especially in in run support uh, and getting pressure on the quarterback. He was fantastic last night. Some of the stuff doesn't show up in the in the stat sheet. He still had seven total tackles and he had a pass breakup, but just watch him um, on some of those defensive plays. If you go back and rewatch the game and see where he is and what he is forcing the offense to do. Uh, he has become a, a staple in that secondary for us and a huge, huge reason why we played so well last night on defense. And another guy that had seven was Lamarion, who you were just talking about, five solo. And as we talked all season, we know how difficult it is sometimes to make those solo tackles when you're out on an island. Two assists in tackles, and you already mentioned that one assist was a crucial, crucial assist in getting that turnover. And Wayne Matthews. We have to talk about Wayne Matthews. He was fantastic again. Seven sack or seven tackles, a sack, and two tackles for loss. He continues to play his ass off at the linebacker spot. His sack was pretty awesome, too. I, I think Georgia Southern got caught in a time warp and thought they were back running their triple option because the entire offensive line chop blocked, and it was a passing play. And our guys looked a little confused for about a quarter of a second. Then you see them all just jump over the down offensive lineman and go sack the quarterback. Bren had to be wondering, like, what the hell was going on? Who got their, their call mixed up? Uh, but Wayne Matthews led that charge, went right over those those big uglies that were laying on the ground and got the sack. I think that kind of helped rattle Bren a little bit uh, throughout the rest of the game. Because we put pressure on him, and he did not look very accurate at all. When our defenders jumped over those guys that were cutting, it reminded me of when I was elementary school and we saw those old videos from – 
like the 60s and 70s or what is it duck and cover you know telling you to get under your under your desk because the uh the soviet union was launching a nuclear strike he saw those guys and just was like i'm out <laughs> all right and then offense um, obviously the star of the show grant wilson he was a couple yards away from being the first player to throw catch and run for a touchdown in old dominion history just a fantastic game from grant last night I think he still has some some work to do from an accuracy perspective. Like I think he missed a couple throws. I think he missed a few reads on some of our running plays, but he didn't turn the ball over, which is huge. He was able to throw the ball away, run to the sideline, get out of bounds, and then make key plays in crunch time. And we've seen him do that a couple of times this year. I really think about the App State game was another big game that we had to win that kind of felt like this one. And we made some big play. He made some big plays down the stretch to to win it for us. I uh, love the play calling on the Granger pass back to Wilson and then the run by Wilson. He put a defender on skates as a quarterback and went into the end zone. One of the, the coolest things I've seen from an ODU quarterback in a long time, other than the guy who was in attendance last night for the game. Yeah, Granger was cool, calm, and collected there. He didn't rush it. Uh, Grant didn't rush it. Last week's podcast, we titled it. We put kitchen sink right in the title because we knew that we needed to throw the kitchen sink and just not be overly conservative this week. I wouldn't say we got the whole kitchen sink, but we got the, the spray nozzle or the drain or something. We got enough of the, the kitchen sink to make it work, and like this, this coming week is going to be no different. It was also really nice to have Keyshawn Wicks back in the lineup. You could tell he was a little slowed down at times, but 17 carries for a net of 60. Uh, fantastic effort from him, three and a half yards per carry. He was having him and Kadarius Callaway in your backfield changes what we can do as an offense. And despite being nicked up, some of those oh, more important runs, the ones that really made a difference were towards the end of the game. They, they were really huge runs, and we saw that he was the most nicked up at that time, down on the field, having to pull himself up, you know, going off. You no know, hats off to him for gutting through it and, um, and I know the training staff will work hard to have him available for this week. Uh, I thought Romello Murphy ran some pretty incredible routes yesterday from the receiver core, made some huge catches for us, especially down the stretch. We need to get down the field. And he's, he's come along so well. Uh, I think Kelby Williams has also. I think one of his catches got called back. I think he had one that was called back maybe. But I know there was, there was one on a third down where he – caught it and we all thought he got the first down and all of a sudden it's fourth and we're running the field goal unit out there um, but hats off to the receiver core I thought they did a good job of running solid crisp routes at the right depth getting to, to open space uh, making it a little bit easier for Grant to find him yeah and we'll need to throw in Isaiah Page continues to play extremely well had five catches for 51 yards last night and we've really just kind of brought the slant into use last night and it was nice to see I think a lot of Old Dominion fans have been waiting for it. It's open, and it worked really well last night. Georgia Southern countered our four-wide spread look with a true dime package with four down, one linebacker in the middle. So the middle of the field was open, and I love that we saw that and took advantage of it. The deep ball hasn't really been there for us for, for two straight games. We I don't think we connected on any – Really long pass. I think the longest catch of the night was actually Grant Wilson's 30-yard touchdown catch 
but we were able to find that short and intermediate passing game. I thought we sometimes ran the ball really well, other times not so much, but being able to win a game without needing that big 60-yard bomb, 50-yard bomb down the field was a big step forward for our offense. And if we are able to incorporate that back in, because I know they're going to continue to look for the deep ball, I mean, that really evolves our offense to being able to hit you everywhere on the field, both running and, and Gary, passing. I think one of the byproducts of being able to work that short and intermediate game with those slants going across right in front of Grant, very easy to see, as we saw time of possession, we even talk really about that too much so far, but it was virtually even. So our defense played really well, and they weren't on the field for 40-plus minutes. So I think there's encouraging encouraging signs there, being able to incorporate that in. And as the team see that happen, like you're stating, those opportunities over the top will likely be there next week and hopefully in a future week. It softens some of the pass rush, too. You saw earlier in the game, the, the offensive line was getting pushed back. They were getting blitzed a lot. They were seeing a lot of stunts and things coming at them uh, from the defensive side. And we struggled to contain that and, and give Grant time. He spent a lot of time rolling out of the pocket uh, in that first half. But when we started to soften up that defense a little bit, especially over the middle and then with some runs, they weren't able to commit as many guys to rushing the passer. And we got out of clear and obvious passing downs. And that helps our offensive line. It, it helps the offense go. Uh, so being able to add that and give give the defense something else to think about can actually help your overall passing game as well. Because, I mean, they were they were doing some work uh, early on in that game to get to Grant. But, you know, credit the O-line. And I think that may be our lowest total in quite some time of sacks allowed. We were only sacked once. We actually got more sacks than we allowed. That's got to be the first time that's happened this season. Yeah, so best time of possession, uh, best QB protection. I mean, obviously some of that is on Grant. He was getting rid of the ball well last night. But, yeah, offensive line did their job yesterday, put our offense in good enough position to take advantage. Um, there was one drive, I think, in the second quarter that really was key in what how this whole game went, and it's – for our defense, we Georgia Southern went for it on fourth down, and we got a huge stop. It's it's the difference between winning and losing, or tying maybe. Uh, that could have been a, a th- three points or a touchdown for Georgia Southern if we don't get that big stop there. That that was a huge stop for the defense. Uh, they also had another critical stop. This one was in the third quarter, uh, early on in the third quarter. It was actually the first possession of the third quarter. Uh, they drove all the way down to the ODU 5. That's the drive when, when Jason Henderson went out for a play or two. Uh, it was 12 plays, 72 yards, 5 minutes, 55 seconds. They got inside the 5 on us, and we held them to just a field goal. Uh, that was a nice job bowing up in the red zone with your backs against the wall with no Terry Jones, and for a couple of those downs, no Jason Henderson. I think that that's got to boost some confidence on the defensive side of the ball to be able to do that without those two impact guys. Yeah, I'm just so happy that they were able to go down to Georgia Southern and get this win. I mean, we're, we all remember those playoff games, and they still hurt to this day. But it was nice to finally get something over Georgia Southern on the football field. Pretty sweet having Taylor on the sideline, too. He got his first. He's got a streak going with him on the sidelines. I think we're 2-0 and in the last two games he's been on the sideline, Virginia Tech, and this weekend against Georgia Southern. 
So the more games we get him on the sideline, yeah, the better. Hopefully next year the Falcons, you know, aren't uh, don't have any things he needs to be at for that first game in South Carolina, and then a bye week falls just right for a home game. That'd be pretty sweet. And then we'll be at Georgia State next year, so hopefully he can be at that game. Sounds like three wins to me, boys. All right, so Aaron, congratulations on finally getting that prediction 100% correct. You got your game winner. I wish I got it 100%. It wasn't a 50-yarder, so it wasn't it wasn't perfect. Although I was saying it was like the Super Bowl square game, we were down to like 30 seconds, and I've got both squares lined up for the score. And then, I mean, which one of you? would have at that time when we were on what the the uh, 33 yard line would have thought that Grant would have gone like a damn boss and and you know look like the real Adrian Peterson not the old Georgia Southern one but the real one just barreling down the center of the field to rip rip my heart out for my 50 yarder but at the same time I quickly came to realize holy shit we're going to win because Ethan is 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 going to nail this thing I, I knew we wanted to get a lot closer than where we were, and we wanted to be safe. So I, I I didn't expect to see Grant Wilson kind of run really one of his first big runs of the night. Uh, but I think it was a heads-up play by him to slide short of the goal line. I, I know a lot of people want to see him go dive into the end zone and get the touchdown, but you're going to have a pretty low-risk kick there. You're able to completely run out the clock. But also, if you if you watch that video – He's got a defender coming from the right and the left at full speed. He has nowhere to go. He is going to get absolutely crushed. You risk fumbling it in and out of the back of the end zone. A whole lot of bad things can happen. So got to the center of the field, slid it right down. I thought we had a chance to run one more play uh, since we did have that extra timeout and try to punch it in, but uh, just eliminate all risk, kick that thing. So heads up play by Grant. I did not want to see him get crunched at the end of that game. And then we have a quarterback who's injured going into this last and critical game of the season. Agreed, but I will say that that was the plan when the play was called for him to to slide. They wanted him to get some yards. I don't think they anticipated him to get that many yards, but the plan all along was for him to slide. And they asked him about it in the post game, and he goes, "It would have been nice to get that touchdown, but I'm just following coach's orders. I'm taking that. I'm sliding." A credit to him, hell of a play. Offensive line did a great job on that. Defense bit hard on the fake, and uh, the rest is history. I mean, fantastic, fantastic. The most impressive thing to me on that play, it's such a critical time because although I'm super high on Ethan, a 50 yard field goal on the road at a place that just is really difficult to play in, and he had a lot of stuff on his mind. If, If people have read the Harry Minium article, it was impressive to me that. Grant was cool, calm, and collected in that position. The coaching staff had talked to him before that play of what was going to happen. And despite everything opening up to him like the Red Sea, and for a guy who doesn't get that opportunity all the time, and the, t- the end zone is right there, you know, the thing that would be flashing in my mind is win the damn game. But the game was slow enough. He remembered the game plan, and he executed it to a T. So not letting that situation be bigger uh, bigger than the moment of what he was ready for. A lot of kudos to the offense just on that drive in general. Because I know we were all talking during the game. Georgia Southern converts a fourth down. 
They go and score a touchdown. They kick the extra point. It's tied, and there's like a minute and some change left. We do have all three timeouts, but I, I would be lying if I didn't guess, didn't say, oh, here here we go with this shit again. <laughs> Blowing a double-digit lead, giving up a late touchdown. This is not going to end well. But credit to the offense of just absorbing that counterpunch, going right down the field. I thought there was great play calling, great execution, and like you were talking about, Grant ran this offense well. He took what was what was given there by the defense and put us in a position to win the game with a, a short little uh, field goal for Ethan Sanchez. Hey, Mike, before we move on from this game, and maybe we're not close to doing that yet, but I want to bring up special teams. I'm going to bring up the punting game in particular. If you look at the stats in the punting game, we crushed them. We averaged 42.5 yards per punt. They were under 30. The net yards per punt, we almost had a 10-yard differential. Three punts inside the 20, a 50-yard, and they had to fair catch three times to R1. I mean, talk about being an effective weapon and helping our defense be in decent spots. We haven't been that lucky all season, but last night it was so critical to the success of the team. And a big part of that punt average was that blocked punt by Marcus Knight. Amazing play. That was the 11th blocked kick in Ricky Ronnie's tenure at Old Dominion, which is pretty impressive over just three seasons. But, yeah, special teams was a big part of this win last night. Despite the fact that Lamaria and James got flagged for a phantom kick-catch interference call. We were – Looking up the rules on that, there is like a one-yard halo rule, and you have to give the returner a chance to catch it if they signal fair catch. I don't know how exactly you're supposed to do that when the returner runs 20 yards to his side and calls fair catch late. And then Lamarian James does a good job of getting away from the guy who's running at him. Ball gets muffed. It should have been should have been a turnover for ODU, but it wasn't. We, the officiating just continues to be a little head-scratching in the Sun Belt, but uh, I want to shout out Javon Harvey on punt coverage. He's been a little quieter lately in the receiving game. He's getting a lot of attention from their their secondary. But, man, he is a weapon to have back as a gunner because he made some huge plays popping returners who didn't call for fair catch. One more note on the kick-catch interference. The ref just needs to not throw the flag. There's an obvious turnover. They can review it then and then throw it. And then once they review, they can throw the flag there. They don't need to enforce the penalty before the play is over. So just don't throw the flag and review it after after the fact. Then you're going to get it right no matter what. But since the flag is not reviewable, we're hosed. And these refs know that. They need to just know how this process of operations works, and they failed in that instance especially when there's not obvious contact. Like if we go down and blow the returner up when they're signaling for fair catch, okay, yes, they're the flag. But there was no contact. It was close, but yeah, you got to eat the flag on that and then review it and make the right call. Is there anything we haven't touched on that we need to? Not that I can think of. All right, I'm going to ask you guys a question before we move on to Georgia State. Were you surprised with the attendance last night well, at Georgia Southern? I wasn't for the students, just because of the way that the schedule fell and Thanksgiving. I was, I was surprised for the non-student fans, but even more so after the half. 
it was like the picture in Back to the Future where the family just started disappearing. I mean, they just evaporated in a close game with significant meaning. I mean, they, they had the opportunity still, a real opportunity to win the East. Um, I was very, I was very surprised. Yeah, when they show that overhead shot, I was, it was a little head scratching because that fan base is a really good fan base. They're loyal. They turn up. Certainly, nothing you could do if the students were home for Thanksgiving and dorms are closed and stuff. But yeah, I was, I was shocked to see it at less than half capacity. Like that's that's not the Georgia Southern I remember. And they got a high standard. I get that. They only have six wins, but I mean, I thought they would show up for sure for that one. Yeah, I mean, you say they only have six wins. They're a bowl team. And the, during that game, before that game, they have a shot at playing for the East or winning the East and playing for a conference title. To me, that says fill the place up as much as possible and root your team on to victory. I mean, it just doesn't – I understand they have very high standards at Georgia Southern because of all the success they've had. But they were in position to win the Sun Belt East until we beat them, and now they're out of the picture. That being said, you know, we can't be throwing stones in glass houses. Modern Nation needs to get their asses out to the castle this week. We have a chance, a real chance. We control our destiny for a bowl game. We need to pack that place and make those epic amounts of noise. Yeah, it's the last home game of the season. Going to college football games is fun. It's even more fun when it's a really meaningful game. Uh, it's going to mean a lot to these seniors. There's a, some guys that you may not see at SB Ballard anymore, people that you have come to know and love, whether that's the NFL calling, transfer portal, anything. Uh, come out and support them. And, of course, you know, we want to get to six wins. We want the three weeks of extra practice. There's a potential for 11 teams in the Sun Belt plus JMU to be bowl eligible. So there's no telling what bowl game we could end up in if we do win on Saturday. So, yeah, just I said it on Twitter Tell me, Ma, sorry to cut Thanksgiving weekend short, but you better get your ass to the castle this weekend. Yeah. There's no reason to not show up this week and support these guys. If you are a season ticket holder, you should have got an email from Old Dominion Athletics today or on Sunday saying if you want two free tickets, all you got to do is claim them, and you can buy extras for just $10. Um, so there's no reason we – can't fill this place up next weekend all right so that brings us to the team we're playing georgia state they are six and five on the season they have lost four straight but don't get it wrong this is a talented football team that we're headed up against uh, i'll let gary lead this off because i know he watched them play at lsu last night yeah, it's really kind of a tale of two seasons for them. They started out like a spitfire of piss to start the season, beating pretty much everybody. Um, but if you go back and, and look at their schedule now, it's not quite as impressive. Uh, you know, snuck by Rhode Island, who's a, a 500 FCS school by seven. First game, whatever. Uh, beat UConn. UConn stinks. Beat Charlotte. Charlotte stinks. Uh, they beat Coastal when Coastal was still kind of a mess, but that is still a big road win on a primetime game for them. And then the... The, the trouble kind of starts. Yeah, Troy, who's obviously really good, holds them to just seven points. Uh, they do get wins against Marshall at home. They go on the road and get kind of an upset over Louisiana. But since then, uh, they've lost at Georgia Southern, 44-27. They get blown out by JMU at home, 42-14.
Then they get blown out at home by App State, 42-14. to 14. And then last night was an expected blowout there at LSU. Uh, so it seems like when they have to step up a little bit in their level of competition, I mean, looking at three pretty familiar opponents to us that we played recently in Southern, JMU, and App State, they were not competitive in those games. Uh, we went one and three against that or one and two against that grouping, or two and one against that grouping. And even our loss at Jamie was three points and on the road. So it's hard to get a, a exact read on, on what they're going to show up with because they're obviously, you know, they've already clinched bowl eligibility, but they got their heads kind of beat in a little bit last night by LSU. They hung with them early. They somehow managed to run more offensive plays and win the time of possession battle. But after they scored that touchdown to start the second quarter, it was curtains for them. LSU really kind of dominated. I am sure that they are hurting a little bit today. They're probably a little bit sore. I didn't see any major injuries that I know of, um, but it, they, they've taken a beating these last four weeks, and we need to give them one more on Saturday. Now, one thing that sticks out to me, Gary, is looking at the looking at the statistics from last night, is that LSU was really able to contain Darren Granger very well. He had nine rushes for 32 yards, the long of 13. So if I'm Coach Siler and the rest of his staff, I'm really taking a look and seeing exactly what LSU did there because that that's something that has plagued us at times. And obviously, you know, he's a great weapon doing both now. But if we can, if we can really limit that, that gives us a much better opportunity for success. And we have struggled against dual threat quarterbacks all season long. I mean, even last night, as well as the defense played, Bryn, I think, probably ran for his season high in, in yardage last night. He was able to get some yards on us. And Granger is a phenomenal athlete. He is a great dual threat quarterback. He can throw it. He can run it. He will pick you apart. I would imagine that the staff is already looking at the game film for the last four games where he's been limited by those defenses and trying to replicate that game plan. Like that blueprint exists now. It didn't exist early in the season. We have got to limit him. If you remove him from the equation, at least his feet, Odie, you can win this game, but we have to limit him. Yeah. So I'm looking at two games that they lost against teams that we beat Georgia Southern and app state app state shut his passing down and his running game down. Their defense just played lights out against Georgia state. However, Georgia Southern did really well against him in the passing game. They, for, they forced two turnovers, limited, limited, limited him to 157 yards on 37 attempts, but he still got loose in the run game, running for 89 yards um, with a long of 22. So it seems like if you can limit him through the air, you're going to give your offense a really good shot to win the game. Yeah, I just, just – the old fears pop in the head of the running quarterbacks who have diced us up this year. But I, I will say, with the, as well as our secondary played yesterday against Georgia Southern, I feel a little more confident about them on the back. Now, Georgia State's got some dudes at the receiver position. Make no mistake about it. They're, they're very talented there. But I, I feel better about our ability to cover them and, and limit Granger. But we – it's like what we talked about for Georgia Southern. We have to bring pressure. We can't let him sit back there and cook because not only will he beat you in the passing game, if you run three men, they're going to spread it out, and you're going to get give up big gashing runs from the quarterback position like we saw with Coastal. And so, Gary, Eric Bohannon's email came out last night following the game, and it talks about us being in nine one-score games. 
our team clearly is battle hardened in you know not being overcome by the pressure and stress of one score games do you have any idea on how georgia state has performed how many they've been in and kind of what the outcomes of those are because i'll be honest i have no clue but i think that's a real weapon for us and those guys feel like they can win you know whenever they're in those positions looks like louisiana was the only one score game they were in and they won 20 to 17. yeah and we can go back to rhode island that ended up being a one score game uh early in the season but i don't know if you can take much from an august 31st game so yeah, they don't have the experience that we do in one-score games. Honestly, almost all of their games, other than those two, are blowouts. Either they're blowing the team out or they're getting blown out. I'm not sure if they'll be ready for a drag-out, gritty game against Old Dominion in the final the week rip. of the season when both teams are beat up and bruised on the rip. Yeah. After playing in Death Valley. Because that game was still going when, when we were done and – that's that's when the, the beating happened there in that in that second half. I mean they they took some shots, um, but I'll say this: like their defense has been a problem for them over these last four games. They gave up 44 to Southern, 42 to JMU, and 42 to App State, and then 56 last night to LSU. That's quite a change from earlier in the season when I felt like their their defense had kind of turned a corner a little bit, um, especially after watching them play like UConn and, and Coastal, holding Coast, Coastal to 17 points. Um, but they've really been on the downswing defensively over the last few games. I mean, I think even Louisiana, they had a quarterback change for that game, and they, they gave up 17 points. So I, I think there's some pretty good opportunities for us offensively to – answer back with some points if we do allow Granger to get loose. And what, we're 4-2 and two at home this year? Wake and Coastal, the two losses? They're 3-2. and two. This would be 4-2 and two if we win it. All right, you're right. And what's crazy is those two home games that we lost, we had double-digit leads in both of them. So it's not like we were that far away from so much. But that's the downside of being in one-score games. Like, eventually that stuff – starts to even out and you're going to get closer to 50%. You know, I look at like the, the Minnesota Vikings last year, they were the Kings of winning one possession games. And then you look at them this year, really until Dobbs got there a couple of weeks ago, they were an absolute dumpster fire. They were finally kind of getting exposed, but I think it does speak to how close we are to being more than just shooting for the six and six. That's kind of is what it is. Like our ceiling right now, best ceiling is, is seven and, and, and five or seven and six. Like that's, that's our ceiling. But I think next year I would really love to be in a position where, all right, we won our sixth game, woohoo, handshakes, high fives, now let's go win the division. So if you look at, at some of our losses, right, the teams that are competing to be at the top of the standings in the Sun Belt East, we're right there with them. I mean, three points at, at JMU, we, we blow a lead and Coastal sneaks past us, we beat App State. Like those are the three teams competing for the Sun Belt East, and we are right there with them. We are so close to doing so much more than going six and six. All right, so I'm looking at the action comparison for this game. And the one thing that jumps out to me when you're comparing Old Dominion's offense for Georgia State's defense is their yards, their passing yards. They have given up the 128th most passing yards in college football. That's not good, but it's great for us. This could be an opportunity for Grant to really – Looked like he did against uh, JMU or Louisiana 
And because they're not bad against the run, but they're terrible against against the pass. As much as I love that, I still want us to run the damn ball. As you saw last night, our our, our offense was awful early. Like it, they were stuck in the mud, and it kind of took like one 10, 12 yard play to kind of get the get the offense going, and then we were able to start clicking. It's a lot easier to do that in the run game than it is in the pass game, despite how bad Georgia State is against the pass. Especially if those guys are nicked up. You want them to have to defend as many offensive plays as possible. And, I mean, you guys tell me. Y'all both played. The run play more physical or pass play more physical? You know the answer. It's it's the run game. It'll beat you up. And it's, yep. when it's cold, it beats you up even more. Because those hits sting. The ground is a little bit harder. I mean, it's it. And at this point in the season, when everyone's beat up, there's no one on the team without some bumps and bruises. Those hits really add up fast. And those defensive linemen have been getting pushed around by an SEC offensive line, a good SEC offensive line last night. So they are going to be a little extra sore, a little extra time in the cold tub. I have no doubt that they will be fired up to go play this game. They're not just going to roll over and let us take it, but we should make them want to quit by halftime just with how much more physical we are than them. Yes. Uh, I hope this game we see Kadarius Callaway in the first quarter. Him and Wicks together have been magic, and when Callaway isn't getting those carries, we're not getting quite the same production. And that one-two punch. Yeah, I don't. Did we see Obisani at all last night? First quarter we did. Okay. And um, he had a rough first quarter. Obviously, I the offense was sputtering as you said early last night, and I don't think that you can blame that on Obi. But as soon as Callaway came in, our offense kind of came alive. Yeah, he had two carries for one yard, Gary. Yeah. I, okay. I missed him on the, the, the stat sheet this morning. But one thing I've, I've liked us doing when Callaway is on the field, especially when we get that first first down and we're starting to roll with tempo, is when he starts in the backfield in a four-wide set and then quickly breaks out and becomes an inside slot receiver. We've had a lot of success with that, whether it's he draws enough attention to where somebody blows the coverage on the outside or he's able to make some plays in space. But getting him the ball with a little bit of room to work He's special. He is a special guy with room to run. Yeah, and Wicks is that every down back that every team needs. And, I mean, he's been a workhorse this season. We got some tough-ass dudes on this team. Like, for Jason Henderson to go down on the field and then be able to come back out like a player or two later after, I mean, it looked like his whole leg was freaking locked up. And Keyshawn Wicks, and he missed last game. He's got clearly some kind of leg or ankle or foot injury, and he just – powered through it last night i mean there are some tough dudes on this team that just keep trotting back out there like i think most guys would shut it down after some of those injuries but nope our, our dudes are, are in it to win it and they showed that last night if you look at their stats i mean it's not like they just have a couple carries i mean callaway's got 78 carries 594 yards averaging 7.6 yards per carry and Keyshawn over 100 carries 108 552 averaging 5.1 yards i mean if you can run the ball like that, I mean, that that's a huge weapon. Yeah, it's a thing of beauty. Uh, for me, personally, I've enjoyed watching them run the ball this year. Honestly, the whole offense from last year to this year, it's just been a joy to watch. Despite the results, 
Obviously, we'd like to all see them win more. But this has been a fun offense to watch this year, even though we've seen some plays that we don't quite understand or the results aren't always there. This is a offense worth watching. And I'm happy to see it, considering all of the turnover we've seen at the OC, O-line, and all the guys in the portal. It's just been fun to watch an offense that actually works. Because I don't, <laughs> I need to remind you guys how bad the offense was last year. Yeah, they could score quick plays, and but at most of the time, it was doing nothing. I wish you did have to remind us, Mike, but I mean – it's night and day, and it's um, – I think as, as big-time fans and so many of our listeners are the same way as us, it's, it's very easy to get so passionate about things and kind of lose perspective of the overall – you know, being able to see the trees as opposed to just the forest, you know. It really is night and day. Can it be better? Absolutely, but it is night and day. Yeah, I don't want to think about last year's offense anymore. We can move on. <laughs> All right, so, so I feel bad because we kind of skipped over this before we got started with Georgia State, but we did get some phone calls last night after the win, and I think this would be a good place to put them in. First up is Chris. Hey, fellas, Chris here. Um, Big-time performance from our guys today. Um, you know, I, I've been really hard on this coaching staff a lot this season, especially Ricky. Um, we haven't felt that the offense has performed um, in those timely spots where, you know, we've really needed it. And tonight the kids just showed effort. And that's one of the things that I love about this team is, you know, regardless of what the score is, there's always going to be effort. And, you know, we showed it tonight. And we we pulled out the win. Um, Ethan coming up with two clutch kicks. He missed one, but he sure as heck didn't miss that last one that counted. Um, Grant almost 200 passing yards. Um, he was throwing dimes, finding his receivers early. Um, I'm just proud of this team tonight. So proud of the effort. And, you know, although I'm, I can't be home next week to pack Ballard, but, boy, I cannot wait to see us and see that effort again next week. Go Monarchs as always. Do either of you want to react to Chris's phone call? All right, Mike. Yeah, I love what Chris has to say there. I mean, obviously, he's tuned in. He's been watching this squad. And, you know, he admits that he's been hard on this coaching staff a lot this season. He had high expectations for the offense. And at times, just like we talk about, you know, it didn't always perform. But, you know, being able to see what's actually going on, he's excited about what's coming up. He was really excited about what Grant did and Ethan coming up clutch. And, uh, you know, although he can't be at the castle this week, just like us, he's encouraging everyone to get out there. So love what Chris has got to say there, and I think we share a lot of the same sentiment. Absolutely. And our second caller was a familiar caller. It's Garrick. Hey, it's uh, Garrick here. And, man, what a what a gutty win yesterday. Uh, that's the first thing i got to say. Um, really do want to highlight the win, but there's still some things that – has got to be said here, and unfortunately, we're still 11 games in, and consistency is still not there. Um, this team can easily take a massive leap and put pieces together in all three phases of the game. And again, what's more frustrating is still saying this 11 games in. Um, 
we also let a statue get loose on us a few times. Uh, we knew Bryn was, wasn't a mobile quarterback, pocket passer, a true pocket passer, a great pocket passer, but we still let him get loose on us. So that just, again, going into next week, Granger's mobile. It, it's gonna, it's gonna be a, an interesting one and, and hopefully the D has something for him. Uh, turnover battle, great, great win there. Uh, Grant's been good about keeping the ball, so that's awesome. Uh, but last but not least, the rest. <laughs> if, if we're going to label ourselves as the best G5 conference out there, then players and coaches deserve to be officiated by the best. I mean, Ricky was on the coach's show saying the head of officials for the, the Sun Belt is also the head of officials for the SEC. Then there's going to – there's things that got to be looked at. That PI call it last night, that uh, kick-catch interference, it's got to be looked at. Uh, but again, I want to emphasize great win and, uh, hopefully we can pack the castle next week. Let's go Monarchs. Rain on. All right. Uh, Gary, you got a response to Garrick? Yeah. I mean, I, he, he's right. Um, you know, we're not playing perfect football yet. I don't think we've have fully seen this team play at their, at their ceiling in all three phases of the game yet this year but we're still in a position here to go six and six. There's still a ton of work to do. We talked about it earlier with the defense kind of letting Bren get loose a little bit and get some yardage on the ground. Uh, and Granger is, he, he's, he can make you hurt if, if you give that up and we absolutely has, have to focus on it. But I think we're moving in the right direction in all phases of our game. And maybe this is the game where all three phases come together and we absolutely blow Georgia state out. Maybe it's, Next season, potential bowl game if we do win. But, yeah, we we have not even, I think, begun to peak in terms of performance and putting this whole thing together. Uh, I am excited about the direction it's going uh, and then just how close we've been to almost getting that, that perfection pulled off a few times this year. To touch on that, how big this Georgia Southern win really is, it could have been easy to just lay down and pack it in for the rest of the season after what happened at Liberty. These guys didn't do that. They bounced back. They kept fighting, and they kept the season alive. It, it does a few things. Obviously, it keeps this game as meaningful. But I think it's something they'll be able to carry on into the offseason and show them, hey, this this is working. We just need to do a couple things here and there to take that next jump. And obviously for the fans, it's crucial to have games matter in the final week of the season. It's easier to buy in and lock in on season tickets when you know, hey, this last year we were pretty good. We were not that far away from being very good. It's a lot easier to lock in on those season tickets and support the team when things are going in this direction that it is right now. It's also a hell of a lot easier to sell this program on the upswing to recruits and people who want to give some money to the NIL, the pride of ODU. Because, yeah, you, you get that seven loss and you kind of lose all your steam. Guys start hitting the portal. It's not a fun time. I think they not only finally beating Georgia Southern, like we finally beat App State this year, it's, uh, it, it's going to do wonders in the recruiting game for us here in the next couple weeks. Yeah, so as Mike mentioned earlier, if you're a season ticket holder, a couple things. One, show up. Two, if you can't show up, find a friend, give them your tickets. Maybe someone has never been to a game before and has not the opportunity, but don't let your seats go unused. Three, if you're that season ticket holder, take advantage of the opportunity and get those two free tickets and gift them to someone who's going to come. 
I mean, that's a great opportunity. Mike also lets you know that you can get additionals for $10. So if you got a family that you don't really love that much and they're coming for Thanksgiving and you don't want to have to be stuck in the house, bring the whole damn family to the game and ignore them making noise. So that's all kinds of opportunities there. The other thing is I love to eat. And we got a tailgate starting at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's our last opportunity to tailgate at the castle this year. Hopefully we're tailgating somewhere else for a bowl game. But there are so many less fun things to do next Saturday than to be, for us, in the blue lot, eating Gary's turkey legs, because I know that's what we're doing. They were phenomenal last year. So please don't let your tickets go unused if you can't make it. And we know there's people that can't because you're traveling. But you got what? If you're listening this to this on Monday, you got a couple days to, to knock that down. So show up. Let's make some noise and just give the biggest home field advantage that we can. I want to note two things. So I love that message, Aaron. But if you can't find anyone to give the tickets to, reach out to us. But you have another option. You can reach out to the ticket office. They do have a donate to service members a program. So if you can't find someone to give the tickets to, or you can't use them, call the ticket office and donate them to a local service member. Yeah, that's a great program, Mike. It's called VetTix, and it's a phenomenal, phenomenal program, and they will get used. Yeah, and like I said, if you don't want to do all that, you just want to reach out to us, we'll take care of it. But there's no excuse for your tickets to go unused this weekend. You know, Mike, that's one thing I didn't think of and as, as a veteran myself and having you know, been stationed places where I was by myself. There are a lot of veterans that are here in Norfolk that are going to be by themselves this weekend. They don't have the opportunity to travel to be with family. You know, they, they may be, you know, in a position where you know, they need something to take their minds off of being alone. And what better than college football? So, like Mike said, reach out to us or go to VetTix. You could really make the difference in the you know, local sailor or marine uh, here in the local area of giving them something pretty cool to do at a holiday by themselves. Beautiful. Let's pack the castle. Now we got to get on to predictions. I'm interested to see where Aaron goes with this because obviously his finally hit, his bit finally hit. Does he keep with the same bit or does he go somewhere else? Let's hear it, Aaron. What do you got? All right. Hey, it's only weird if it doesn't work. This is a crucial game, and I'm going to pick the most crucial player who in crunch time is going to come up big. We talked about the weather. The weather should be pretty decent for the game, but there's a front that's going to come in towards the end of the game. And with that, it's going to come some wind, may come a little bit of rain. So this is going to be one where Ethan Sanchez has got to come through big again. We don't really have grass on the field, so he's just going to have to lick his finger and stick it up to see exactly what's going on with the wind and see the little orange flags on top. He's going to aim about five yards to the right. The wind is going to push that bad boy right back in the middle. We're going to win by three, and we're going bowling, baby. I love it. I love it. Um, the tough part about including weather in your prediction is we're so far out, and it can change so much in these next few days. So I still love it. But, Gary, what do you got? I'm glad to see that Aaron is not putting the reverse jinx on us by picking picking something different. Uh, I'm kind of torn myself because obviously I 
picked Georgia Southern last week and we won, and I'm really happy about that. And I, I may have to lean into that and be the negative Nancy on the uh, on the podcast here today. Uh, I love the way that we match up receiver on secondary. I love the way we match up with our offensive line versus their defensive line. I think that this has the potential to become quite the shootout in Norfolk. I want to say ODU is going to win by three touchdowns, but you know we like our one possession games. Uh, so I'm going to say ODU by seven going away in this one. Grant Wilson, four touchdown passes. Oh, snap. I'd much prefer that. Yeah, I think I'm kind of leaning with Gary here. It's it's hard to pick us not in a close game because it's just all we've really experienced this year. But I do love looking at that defensive matchup. And Grant has done well protecting the ball most of the season, and especially at home. I'm expecting us to win this game. I don't know if it's going to be seven points or three points. I have a feeling we're going to kind of pull away from Georgia State just because it's clear with their schedule. Either they're blowing teams out or they're getting blown out. There's something in this team where they just kind of give up. And that is not what Old Dominion does. So, Old Dominion by 14. We win finally without having to pull our hair out. And it's going to be a beautiful day to celebrate where this team has come from and where it's going. Go Monarchs. Well, before we finish with our Go Monarchs, Gary, one. Uh, Hold on. Oh, go ahead, Mike. I was just, that was my end to my prediction. All right, false start. False start. Aaron. Oh, okay. I know. I know. It sounded sounded like you were done and we were wrapping it up and that was final word. No, we, we have some stuff to promote. Obviously, tomorrow, we have the special opportunity to talk with Coach Ricky Ronnie. And well, that episode will be out Tuesday. Tuesday night, we have the great opportunity to talk with Coach Jeff Jones and everyone's favorite basketball monarch, Jason Wade. That'll be out on Wednesday to prep you for the game against Princeton. I can't wait to talk to the, both of them. That's exactly what I was going to promote because this is a freaking kick-ass week, man. If if you have any sort of commute or you like to listen to this while you're working out or walking or whatever it is, there's a ton of content this week. We got some other cool stuff coming too. Uh, we'll let you know what that is in the future. We don't want it to get buried in this really exciting time for football and basketball. But just one more rallying cry. Show up on Saturday. If you can't, send a friend and tell them to be as loud as possible because they're going to have a few weeks for their voice to recover before the bowl game if we win. When we win. Yeah, we, yeah, we did have a great opportunity to talk with Coach Dominic Mueller of Old Dominion Tennis on Friday, but we're going to hold that until we can give him the appropriate time to launch that episode because you don't want it getting buried between basketball and football. But I hope you guys listen to that episode when it does come out because it's a really good episode that teaches you a lot about men's Olympic sports at Old Dominion and the tennis program and the challenges that that they face. Gary, I think this is your chance to promote the website. Hey, how'd you know? ODUMonarchist.com will have some articles recapping this game, getting ready, getting you ready for Georgia State this weekend. A few other things popping in. I want to shout out ODU women's basketball. They are 4-0. and 
they are off this week, but they will come back next week uh, with a couple of games and kind of get into the meat of their non-conference schedule. Uh, but we have everything your heart could possibly desire at odumonarchist.com. And some very fun things coming in the very near future for the website. And I'm hearing in the podcast sphere, there could be some interesting stuff popping up. I've heard, I've heard the crack of something, the pop of something else. Could be something coming for us here. Can't wait for that. And oh, by the way, one last thing before Mike takes us home is if you haven't had the opportunity yet, go to theprideofodu.com, become a member of the collective. The three of us certainly have. Make a difference. I can't remember we joined from the very first day. If there is a place on there to say who sent you, Tell them we sent you because it's important. We're trying to get the word out. We want to support the collective. And in terms, uh, or in, I don't even know the right word. We're trying to support our sports teams, our athletes, just be able to take them to the levels that they deserve to be at. Though so the pride of ODU.com, it is in the notes of this podcast episode. Football portal season is coming. Yeah, it is. And, uh, I want to know, me and Aaron were lucky enough to go to basketball practice yesterday, and there were two former Monarchs at the practice, Ben Stanley and Frank Cassell. They worked in on the scout team against our current ODU Monarchs, and it was a joy to watch those guys work. But I'm also really uh, proud of the work that Ben's done to get back to the shape he's in because, I mean, he suffered a pretty major injury in February. And he went through the whole practice with two hours. And as soon as practice ended, he started running the stairs at the TED. I mean, what a workhorse. Credit to him. Also, Frank was a pleasure to talk to him after practice. And we should be talking to him into the future. So we're excited about that. And Frank the tank. We can't wait for this Saturday. It's going to be a beautiful one at the castle. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.